Hello, my name is Shez Robbie, and I play the part of social media editor on A Country Podcast. The episode you're about to listen to contains some issues that may concern diehard fans of the country practice. Characters are incorrectly named. Some are forgotten entirely. Basic facts about certain events are misinterpreted. 2022 has so far posed many challenges for us all, and sadly, Melanie and Kim are not immune to these. If you find yourself shouting at your device throughout this particular pod, support is available and corrections will be supplied at the end of the episode. Hello and welcome to A Country Podcast. My name is Melanie Tate and I think it's safe to say that I am probably Joan Sydney's biggest fan and joining me is Kim Lester. Kim, who are you the biggest fan of in the country practice? Obviously and definitely Josephine Mitchell. Oh, I don't know why I thought <laughs> otherwise. I don't know why I even entertained another thought. I think probably just because she's not in this these episodes we're talking about. Well, neither well, is yeah. Joan Sydney. No, neither is Joan Sydney, but no. Joe and I, BFFs, for sure. Oh, my gosh. What a show we're talking about today. We're looking at A Kiss Before Dying, which is season 12, episodes 41 and 42. Uh, it is uh, the episodes bec- made famous because Shirley Gilroy dies in them. So, which spoiler is alert. Very, very little of the actual episodes, uh, which we'll which talk we about. Which we are going to talk about. Yeah. Absolutely. So Kim, do you want to kick off with a recap? Yeah. Well, I, I first of all, I think we need to, I think we owe some fans of the later seasons an apology, Mel, because you and I have been on the record mm-hmm. lately saying they haven't made anything good past season five. Yeah. Uh, you know, saying we love the early seasons. These episodes were beautiful. They were really like a return to all the things that we love about a country practice. And I would also venture to say, Kim, we're about to uh, do the finale in a couple of weeks' time. Mm. And I think that that those episodes have that same goodness as well. But you know what? I don't think that it's uh, a mistake that these, not a mistake, I don't think it's surprising that these episodes are so good because they're by writers from our first few series that we love ah. so much. So Leon Saunders writes the of first course. episode and Judith Cahoon writes the second. Oh, well, of course. So, of course, they're good episodes. Like, absolutely, of course, they are. Chris Martin-Jones directed mm-hmm. both episodes. So, you know, they both have a, a similar through line. I think, but I want to check this, I think Chris Martin-Jones is your favourite Joe Mitchell's husband. Ah, there you go. There you go. I want to um, double check that in case I've got that completely wrong and we've just broadcast that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll double check that. Okay. Well, let's, uh, yeah, let's recap this episode. So uh, this is the episode where Max Blair uh brother of Trish Blair, all guest stars, not regular recurring Mm -hmm. characters, and um, Trish's husband, Ray, Max uh, comes to town and he doesn't say it straight out, but he's looking pasty, he's looking thin. Um, He is a very, very well-known columnist um, and people has lots of adoring fans, even in Wandon Valley. Uh, he's a very well-known gay columnist and he has come to Wandon Valley to die because he has AIDS. This is 1992 and AIDS has swept the world, really. Uh, it, mm-hmm. We are very, very much in, you know, the thick of that 
pandemic or epidemic? What, is, what technically I was I think it was space? actually a pandemic, wasn't it? Because mm. it went all over the place. I'll double yeah. check that. Yeah, so really big story, um, you know, big sort of issue happening at the time. So Ray is a very devout Christian and mm-hmm. uh, not not a big fan of Max's but um, has a lot of sympathy for the fact that Max is sick but has absolutely no tolerance for the circumstances that made Max sick. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not backwards and coming forwards in this episode about you know, there's there's this whole bit where Max says, yeah, I I had sex, I had promiscuous sex, I had sex with men I didn't know um, before. I had sex in alleyways. Uh, yes, I, yeah. in cars. Yeah, yeah they were really, uh, you know, PGR about it. <laughs> um, and um, Ray is just cannot, cannot hear that, you know, and it's interesting because I, I think, Ultimately, and I think I might have said that this on the podcast before, and I may have cut myself saying it, <laughs> is mm. that that's what it comes down to for people who are homophobic is they feel like it's too icky and that's the thing they're making a judgment about. And that's well, ultimately and, what Ray is making a judgment about. And isn't it interesting how later in the episode, which we'll talk about, uh, somebody else's sort of so-called life choices, mm. decisions that they've made ha- has made them sick and on the flip side, Ray isn't. Ray feels sympathetic towards this person. Yes. So, I mean, it's these episodes are just so expert. They're mm. absolutely beautiful educational yes. storytelling. Yeah, they're very <laughs> they, cleverly yeah. done, yes. And uh, Frank and Shirley are in the midst of organising a dance, a 40s-themed dance to which, um, what's the name? Was it Purse? Was Purse the name Percy. of the? Percy. So Percy is Kim Wilson's granddad, yes. a returned serviceman. Yes, and he just says, why on earth would you want to recreate the 40s for a dance? There was nothing to celebrate in the 40s, which I just thought was a great line. I just yeah. found that so interesting because don't we don't we cover oh man, I'm gonna get so cancelled for this, especially this time of year. <laughs> but don't we cover the Anzac legend in a way that the Anzacs never did, you know? Yeah. I and that's what's so like wonderful about that little that speech he gives. He said, you know, mm. for the first five years we're in war. Like what is there to celebrate? Exactly. And I don't know about you, Kim, but my poppy was very much of that. My grandfather celebrate as he got older, he mm. he sort of my granddad loved being part of Anzac Day and celebrated it much more. But my poppy was like wouldn't talk about it, never mm. went to an Anzac march in his life, was basically traumatised about it until yeah. he died. Yeah, my you grandfather know, so never, Yeah, it was the same? He never talked about it. I think he started to talk a bit more about it or tell more stories towards mm-hmm. the end of his life, but he never yeah. went to parades. He never joined an RSL. He didn't have any interest in that sort of thing. But, you know, I also know men who did and that's where there were communities. So Yeah, that's where they got their camaraderie and exactly. somebody Each who understood what they'd been through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kim Wilson, uh, played by Darcy, has returned after the death of her sister. Her mother, Bernice, um, is uh, just quite fabulous and probably a character I wish that we had more time to get to know a little bit more and discuss. But um, she has done, I should have looked up the name of this, but she's done a a carer's course for helping people who are dying with AIDS. Yeah, so it's called Ankali. They say it a few times because Mm. it's it's an Aboriginal word for friend that they point out. I couldn't find any evidence 
of it online, Kim. Really? Spelt, well, I don't think I was spelt, spelling it correctly. I tried A-N-C-A-L-A. I tried, you know, um, AIDS training. I tried mm. all sorts of things and I couldn't find it. But I've no doubt that it existed because yeah. they were just so clear and said it so many times yes. that I suspect a lot of people would have gone and signed up for the training after after oh. these episodes of A Country Practice. I really hope so because essentially she was, I guess, training to do palliative care for um, mm. for Max and she had been through that with other people and, you know, she made it very clear that she's she's an ally uh, and Max could rely on her if uh, if he couldn't rely on Trish yeah. and Ray. Isn't it interesting too that that language was actually used, the word ally was used? Mm. I thought that the word ally in terms of support for LGBTQI communities, um, refugee communities, et cetera, like minority communities was a recent thing and it's clearly not because Max says several times what I need, I don't need a doctor, I need an ally, mm. you know, and I think... I think um, what's her name? Anne Carly woman, Judith McGrath. What's her vibe yeah, from All Saints? Benice, sorry. And Benice says it a few times as well, which I thought yeah. was really, you know, it's like, oh, God, this show, it's just so great. Anyway, keep I know. going, sorry. Oh, I know. And so many of these phrases, like, it's even things like woke and um, time's up, even, they're so much older than we realize. They've been around for a lot longer. It's just right. that being, you know, social media and sort of, language evolving the way it does and and moving through communities the way that it does now mm-hmm. it seems like all of a sudden this is the new buzzword but actually it's been going around for a very long time in a particular community um the vet i can't even oh my god this is terrible the vet and the copper are falling in love what are their names is it tom and Anne? i want to say tom and Anne. uh let's say that <laughs> i mean it's like Anne luby is the actress I, who plays oh, okay the vet. I really feel like I'm going to make I'm making somebody scream. Anne has uh, custody of Billy, whose parents have died. I think he might be her nephew. I'm really sorry yeah. that we're not more expert in this show. We really should be. We literally host the podcast. Oh my goodness! How do we not know these it's things? Been, it's been a week, Mel. It's been a week. Um, it has. <laughs> but anyway, they're falling in love. Billy's having a birthday, and they've put on a party for him, which is full of, there's a great line in it where um, she's, you know, overworking herself, trying to make as much uh, junk food as possible. And uh, someone says something like, um, okay, so I don't know exactly what the line was, but it was like, okay, so you've got the chocolates crackles and you've got the Freddo boats and you've got this and you've got that. And, and you know, she said, oh, do you think I should put some something healthy out she's like no no the sign of a popular party is the more sugar the better and I was just like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I like this Kim, party does that, still ha- does that still happen in parties today or is it all like gluten-free think- no nuts all that kind of stuff uh I would probably not put nuts out at a party because just yep. you know the the thing with the thing with people who and I, I've never had anyone actually ver- like say this to me but when I see people complaining on social media about how they can't put nuts in their children's lunchbox, it's like, would you really want your child's lunch to be responsible for someone else's child? Yeah, having but also an anaphylactic like, attack. Who ever like, got nuts at like like what do you put? What were nuts? I guess nuts peanut were in butter. brownies, but we never had brownies. Oh, mm, peanut butter, peanut yeah. butter, of course. But oh, oh my god, we were way too basic for peanut butter in oh, the yeah, Tate household. I don't know about the fine. Blesters. 
Look, it's fine. So, uh, yeah, no, I am all for cheesels and Cheerios at parties. Um, I just more not not so much because I just love serving junk food. It's more just I just want to keep it simple, and I don't want to. I don't want to go to too much effort. I'm also I'm also all for this. Is my hack. Everybody, every parent should know this. Um, My hack for birthday cakes, you know, sort of there's this real sort of trend, and one of my sisters actually. Two of my sisters. He's an amazing cake maker, uh, yeah. hey? Cake geniuses. Yeah. Um, my cake genius move is to do a slab, put out some decorations, and one of the activities pre-COVID uh, was to get the kids to just decorate the cake themselves. What a great idea. Cake what genius. What a great idea. That is genius. Oh, before I forget, regarding the blesters, this is a bit of a side note. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was at the Australian Playwriting Conference over the weekend and I bumped into um, one of, you know, Australia's most esteemed writers, Vanessa Bates, who mm-hmm. happens to be a big fan of our show. And she said, I just love the way that you and Kim, Blester, Blester, I love the way that you and Blester do that. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Isn't that great that Blester <laughs> has just become... Have I told you, you know, about our Blesters mug? My sister loved the Blesters joke <laughs> so much and we have this fantastic photo, which I can't share online because, you know, uh, I don't know that I have the permission of any of the members of <laughs> in the photo, <laughs> but it's our awkward family photo. It's it's um, my mum with like a proper 80s perm, my dad pulling the same face he pulls in every single photo. I don't have a I do not have a good photo of my dad. He's always scrunching his face up. They're both holding a golf club <laughs> for some <laughs> reason. And um, and then the four of us are, you know, just being our typically daggy 80s uh, kids. And my sister put that onto a mug and uh, and with, the, with like, a blesters um, <laughs> label so on it and gave it to everyone at Christmas. So we've all got blesters mugs. That is so brilliant. I mean, what a shame we can't use that as merch for a country podcast. Two were accidentally, inadvertently donated to, um, I think, like the the Brisbane version of the Green Shed somewhere in North Brisbane. Oh, amazing. Uh, because so they're floating around. Yeah, yeah, because Chris took a bunch of stuff to the Green Shed and um, including <gasps> the two spare mugs that we had. Why would he take the, the spare blaster mugs? Because he didn't know that they weren't. Um, junk. (laughs) (laughs) What does that say? Anyway, we are so off track. And look, if you came back to what's going on on the show, if you came to this episode looking for a tight, polished, professionally produced piece of work, um, maybe just go back to a different episode because normally we're, we're on it. Episode four or five or something like that. Totally. Just go back and listen from the beginning. But this yeah. is still going to be a good one. There's lots this to talk great. about. great. We're having a great time and that's all that matters. So uh, just finally, Shirley is uh, going on a council conference to local council conference uh, to Brisbane and she and all of the local Burrigan councillors have hired a um, private charter plane, which you know, there's lots of signalling to what's going to happen uh, throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Shirley's reminiscing a lot through the episode. Mm-hmm. There's this lovely scene where she talks about um, what a wonderful time she had in India and that she'll never get Frank to India, you know, and he says, look, let's talk about it when you get back. And she's so excited because the idea that he's even willing to, uh, you know, 
have a conversation about him going yeah. to India with her just fills her with joy. And that's basically their last words to each other is her just kind of saying, India, you know, she's so excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then she waves and we know she because waves, she's waving, we know she's going to die. Know. Of course we know. And the next day in uh, various places across Wandon Valley, people are listening to the radio and there is a bad storm in Brisbane and news of a charter flight going from Burrigan to Brisbane, which has disappeared. And not long after that, Tom, the cop, knocks on the door and delivers the bad news to Frank. How sad is that too because Frank must have done that during his career yes. a million times and, yeah. and to have it done to him is just so he knows the second he, knows. he hears the door and he knows the cop is there. Yeah. Well, we all do. Mm. Um, so that's the episode. So really we're just there because Shirley's dying. But I love that they, they okay, there's a couple of things about that episode which we'll, we'll get to, but I love that they didn't, so half of me loves that they respected Shirley enough to give her a proper episode to go out on. Like mm. it was a, there was no, like it was such a good couple of episodes. But on the mm. flip side, I would have liked it to have been more about Shirley. We know because we spoke to Lorraine before she died uh, yeah. a couple of years ago. We know that she didn't want a big morose farewell. She mm. didn't want to be. She didn't want to die on screen because she had. She knew she had lots of young fans and she didn't want them to see a big, sad, long, drawn-out uh, farewell in the same way that Molly had that. But mm. also I think it's fair to say that Lorraine was kind of done with the country practice, you know. She oh, wanted yeah. to move on. She never planned to be there for nine years. Um, she thought she'd be there for six months and obviously she loved it enough to stay there for nine years, you know. I mean, Lorraine could have moved on much sooner, I'm sure. Mm, um, mm. So she had definitely her reasons for being there and for contributing to the show in the way that she did. I mean, really, yeah. she's such I mean, a every, she part. was everybody's, you she know. Was, oh, she was the foster mum, the mentor, the very cool auntie. A very cool auntie, yeah. We're going to play some of that interview, aren't we? Mm. So I read somewhere, Larray, that when the time came for you to leave, that you didn't want a long, drawn-out uh, storyline like Molly's death. Oh, no. Can you tell us about that, why you didn't want that? Well, I didn't want all that moroseness. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I had another gig to go to because I went straight into high society mm-hmm. and uh, I just wanted to get out of there and get on with the next gig, you know. I mean, nine years in one place is a long time. And were you happy with the way that Shirley ended up exiting with the plane crash? It was my idea. Oh, how did, how did you pitch it to them? Uh, well, James said, usually give me a long, drawn-out death, you know, and I said, I said, well, in that case, I'm going now. And he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go down the plane and not be seen, you know? I said, I can't see the, all this morose crap. No, not for me. Does that mean that you weren't aware of the way that the public perceived the end of Shirley or anything? Because you were straight on to the, new, the next thing in the next project? No, I have no idea. Do they care? I think they care. <laughs> I think they cared a lot. So what did you think then, Kim, of, I mean, we had... We had Lorraine's point of view over it, but I found myself thinking throughout, oh, actually, no, I don't feel like this is enough for me as an audience member. Had I have been 
watching this show consistently over the years, for her just to literally drop out of the sky, I don't mm. think that I, and, you know, dropping out of the sky with the rest of the Burrigan Council, so what happens to democracy in <laughs> Burrigan and Watton Valley afterwards? Why yeah. is no one talking about that? I ask you, that's, you know, so I, I feel like there's a lot of chaos that, that's probably about to come as a result of the plane dropping out of the sky. But it, it just didn't feel like enough to me for such a beloved character mm. and such an institution of the show. Like, what did you think? No, I agree. I don't think it felt like enough. And I haven't followed up to watch the next episode, but I definitely came away thinking, oh, I better watch the next one just to see because we really don't see much of the fallout. We don't see any of anyone reacting to her death, anyone grieving for her. Um, and I'd love to know if I'd, I'd love to hear from you how much they do that, you know, how much do they yeah. actually show of people mourning Shirley um, or does the story just sort of move on from her? Uh, well, I watched the beginning of the next episodes and it mm. starts with her funeral and uh, Terence giving a beautiful you googly. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but I didn't, you know, I wondered, did Joe come back? Like did no, Joe come people, back from Grafton they or don't. Armadale? Yeah, I don't know, but people don't come back, do they? Like once they've moved on, you no, know, because you, you would think, you know, if, uh, I mean obviously you would think that Joe as a character would come back but also... Um, of all the times that the people who should have come back for Molly's funeral, you know, and the people who should have come back for any number of other big events like weddings and funerals. But at the end of the day, they're actors and they have moved on. Yeah. Do you know what, Kim? Eventually when we make uh, a long-running reboot of a country practice, <laughs> let's just spend the money on getting the actors back for the funerals. <laughs> what do you reckon? I just would, you know, like what? where's Matron Sloan? Where did she go? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me questions. I'm so I don't know. Sorry, in advance, proper fans of the show. Um, I'm looking forward to getting a message from Shez when she reads this, telling us <laughs> where, where. But you know, Matron Sloan would have been at the funeral. Um, Vicky would have come. Like, where's Vicky? Vicky would fly back. It's not COVID times. She would fly back. She's from making for her E Street, funeral. Mel. She's busy making <laughs> E Street. She has a schedule. <laughs> Why did she miss her mum's funeral? You know what? The good thing, though, about a country practice is they'll make some, there will be a, a reference to Vicky and, you know, there'll, there'll be something because there was, there'll be something in it like a letter or there'll be some, a reason will be had for why she's not at the funeral at very least. Um, but, yeah, did you think that it wasn't, you thought it wasn't enough either? Well, it was, a, it was an interesting episode because um, there wasn't really, I mean, there was definitely an emotional conclusion to Max's storyline, but we didn't see him die. We saw mm. a resolution in that he went home and he was welcomed back into Ray and Trisha's home. The thing yeah. that happened there was Ray's a news agent and he's um, selling cigarettes or offering cigarettes to a longtime customer and he said, oh, no, I've quit, um, you know, I've just found out I've got lung, can lung cancer, I don't have long to live. And Ray is, you know, understandably distraught and upset mm -hmm. by that um, and has nothing but sympathy for, for this man. And the man sort of said, uh, yeah, but, you know, I guess I knew I knew what was I, that it was going to kill me, uh, but I just kept doing it anyway and kept smoking and this is just the life I've lived and the consequences of that. You know, he was very, uh, I guess, pragmatic about it. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that was the wake up call for Ray to see, yeah, actually, why do I? Oh no, Shay, that's right, Terence, uh, and then Terence. Oh, Terence, what um, a great line! Yeah. yeah. So then Terence, who's his own daughter, Sophie died, uh, but she had AIDS when she died of her drug overdose, and so he's very, I guess, aware of. And also just having a daughter die of a drug overdose, which, again, is the kind mm. of it's, it's not an acceptable death, you know, mm. to to mm. people like Ray. Um, that's just, that's the kind of death that, mm. you, you know, isn't is is their own fault. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and suddenly he just kind of as often happens with people, they are suddenly put into somebody else's shoes uh, and they realise, okay, hang on a second. Now that I know somebody who's going through this, I can feel differently about it. You know, I think the key moment was when Terence was at the counter and they were saying, gee, it's really sad about old mate with the lung cancer. Oh, yeah. And Terence said, you know, I'm not too worried about him though. He's got a supportive family. Mm. That was what it was. It was that moment yes. where, and it was so pointed yet subtle from yeah. Terence Beautiful piece of writing, I thought. Yes. Really, That's got really. Judith yeah. Cahoon written all over it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Doesn't it just? Uh, doesn't it just? It was just yeah. sensational. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, Kim, as well, this is an episode where once again we see the doctors of Wandon Valley really being the moral heart of this show mm. and and sort of doing the, like, I, I mean, is it Harry? Is that his name? Harry yeah, or Harry. Andrew Blackman? Um, he's got a bit of a Simon vibe in this episode. He does. Like yeah. he he reacts to the whole, you know, AIDS issue and to the training he needs to do and the, and the people around uh, Max in a really similar kind-hearted way as mm. Simon would mm. have. Simon would have exactly, it would have been exactly the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so interesting because I do. Th- I'm working on this job at the moment um, mm. with three GPs, who one of whom you know, Marita, who has been a guest on yeah. the show. So this is the Dementia Training Australia podcast that I'm producing. It's called Dementia in Practice, and just I don't know when you just talked about the compassion of doctors and the doctors being mm. the heart mm. of the story. It just made me think of them because oh, they have lovely. so much compassion and so much. Um, you know, dedication to making sure yeah. that patients get the best possible care. Anyway, total aside, honestly, truly and honestly, that was an unintended plug mm-hmm. of dementia in practice. Do you know it's, oh, please listen. Do you know it's interesting? My sister and I were talking about this today because um, the about doctors and their mm. compassion and stuff like that. And I'm writing a screenplay at the moment of my potato race uh, film, um, a play, and there's a character in it who's new to the world. Like she's not, um, and I think, I think, God, there's also a character just like Esme Watson, but anyway, um, who, who's also new to the world. Um, but there was a character, there's a young character who is a passionate potato racer and she's eight months pregnant when we meet her, so she's Ooh. really desperate to get this baby out so she can put on some support pants and get out there and run the race, right? <laughs> she's a she's a hot mess, though. The first time we see her, she's smoking a cigarette, eating some twisties that she's sharing with her two-year-old. And my sister is like, well, that's a bit classist. I said, it's only classist if the director judges or if we have her picked up on it because I actually think that, the, our doctor, like there's a doctor in it, mm. will just be like wanting to get that baby 
um, out safely, wanting to keep her vagina intact when she goes to run this race, <laughs> but also acknowledging that this girl has gone through so much even to get there, you mm. know, and that like I know smoking is not good for babies, I know twisties aren't good for two-year-olds and stuff like that, but sometimes like we're all going to die anyway and some people just have to do some things to get them through the day instead of others. You know what I mean? Like mm. I don't know where I'm getting to for that, but what I want is no, I don't want, I want to keep her in like that and I don't want the film to be judging her for those things. Mm. I didn't, you know what I mean? Like I, uh, yeah. and I think that, that it's a really good example in this film, uh, not this film, in this episode of Max with his promiscuous sex that he knows could possibly have given him, you know, have given him, uh, have made him HIV positive. At, yeah. yeah, at a time. And the smoker as well. Like, as, you know, people always knew that smoking was, but does that make them bad people or does that make them not worthy of being helped? Of course not. Mm. Mm. We all still need to be helped because we're all going to die anyway. Like, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I think I've just become a little bit people should just do what they want and have a good life. <laughs> and, like, um, let's help them because that's what our pap- that's what we've got medicine for, you know, just make it a bit easier. Can I just, just take a moment, though, and step back mm. and say, Oh my god! Did you say you're writing a screenplay for the Potato Race? Is that going to be a movie? It's going to be a movie, and I wish I could say which. It's it's going to be a movie for, for one of the streamers, but I can't Ooh. say which one yet because they haven't announced it, and I don't believe it quite until they announced yeah, it. Yeah, until it's out. But I, yeah, I am at the moment. Be it's my it's my full time job at the moment, Kim. Oh. I don't have another job except over the next 12 weeks writing that screenplay. I'm so happy that? for you. That is so exciting because I remember sitting and watching that and thinking this needs to be like the next Offspring or, uh, you know, a movie or whatever, but I just need to see this on screen and I need to see more of these characters. So, oh, thank yay, you. Mel. Well, thank you. Hang on one second. I'm a bit worried that, oh, I wasn't speaking then anyway. That's good. Mm. My brother was ringing and I worried oh. that that. Put it on. Yeah, yeah. Just pop it on Do Not Disturb. Because then, um, or is even flight mode. Aeroplane the same? Yeah, great. Aeroplane's even better, as long as you don't need okay, your great. internet. Yeah. No, I don't. Okay. Um, Kim, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so excited about it. The um, And I can't believe I've, I've had this odd mix the last few weeks that I've been doing it of feeling extremely anxious about it being this big shot, you know, but mm. also extremely excited and kind of um because I had to, I actually had to go into bat to write the screenplay. They didn't oh. want me to write it because I haven't written screenplays before. Mm. So, anyway, you can rest assured, our dear country pals, that if the Potato Race movie is remotely successful and they say, what do you want to do next, Melanie? <laughs> I'll be saying, I want to do a reboot of a country practice with Kim Lester, please. <laughs> Give us eight episodes on Netflix. Yes. We'll set it in bloody New South Wales. There'll be none of this Victoria stuff. Yeah. We'll get back, you know what, in, um. oh, my God, there's so much country practice in this film I'm just realising now. <laughs> There's a retired doctor in it who's like in his 60s or 70s. I'm just thinking now we probably have to we probably have to um cast Shane, Shane P, yeah. Shane Porteous yeah. as a retired doctor. That's a very good idea. That oh my it's God, a very good, that's idea. Such a good idea. And now that, now that you've said it, Shez is not going to allow anything other than it's that to gonna, happen. 
It's going to have to Shez happen. being the president of the Shane Porteous Appreciation Society. Yeah, which you can find on Facebook and is the yes. most adorable page. So please go and find <laughs> oh, it if you don't so already good. listen to it. Anyway, we should probably keep moving on. Um, now, Kim, Esme begins to fall in love in these episodes. Yes, this is lovely. So this is with Perse, um, Kim Wilson's grandfather. Mm-hmm. And there's just a nice little attraction between them, isn't there? Yeah, and you know what I love most about it is that it's not a bloody joke. Mm. It's not made a joke of. Like like people are sort of smiling and having a little chuckle, but in the way that we all do when anybody falls in love, you mm. know, like it wasn't she wasn't made a joke of. The way she reacted to him and the way he reacted to her wasn't a joke, you yeah. know, and I loved that because she's waited long enough for it, bless her, Esme mm-hmm. Watson. Yeah, absolutely. No, that was very nice and it was quite subtle and I I do hope that uh, it that continues. I think that it might. I think that little storyline might sort of flourish a bit. Kim, it does. Woo! That's good. It, well, they're, they're definitely together in the last episode in the finale. Mm. Yay! I don't know if the, the course of true love runs smoothly, um, but I'm sure Shez will let us know whether it does. <laughs> Very good. Um, and so that's kind of that's kind of it for you know, recapping and yeah. musings. We're a bit of a budget cut priced uh, show today because as as we both said, things have been a bit nutso um, in our lives. <laughs> can I late. just can I just give a demonstration of how nutso our Please. lives have been this week? Literally, as you and I <laughs> turned on Zoom uh, and turned on our microphones to yeah. record this, my phone rang. It was my husband saying, uh, is Patrick with you? Because he's not at school. And we had, what, 20 minutes of not really having any idea. where Patrick was. Where my 10-year-old was. (laughs) And And both trying not to get, like, trying to stay cool. Both of us were, like, trying to stay very cool. Me just kind of going, he will have just, you know, not wanted to wait the five minutes that Dad was late and decided the only solution to this is to ride my bike home instead of going to the office, which is, you know, the obvious solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, he was found all good. <laughs> Poor kid. I really feel for him that his dad found him and not me because there might have been a bit more yelling as a result. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, that's that's not even the most hectic thing that's happened this week in my life. How about you, Mel? Yeah, it's been, well, yeah, I've been, like I said, I have just been going through um, euphoria and then loads of self-doubt about whether I can produce a movie you can. that's going to put lots of people in in employment for, you know, my sister it said will. this thing about it. Oh, thank <laughs> you. My sister said this thing. My sister's um, studying for the bar at the moment. Uh-huh. And so one of the really nice things is she's been coming to my house a couple of days a week while I've been working on this or I've been, we met up in the library in the city today, for example. Mm. And she said, I said something to her, well, at least what you're doing is important, you know, something like that. And she said, well, like, think about, like, it's be a $5 million feature or something like that, I guess. Like, that's $5 million worth of jobs for people. Mm. But you know what she said that really got me that I keep focusing on whenever I get anxious? She said, but really, it's mostly about that person who on this on a Sunday afternoon feels like filling in some time and wants to watch something that they oh love. Yes. Isn't that, that's what I want it to be, you know? So anyway, I'm, I'm just still, I'm cracking through it, but it's just... Yeah, I feel like any moment that I'm not working on it, I feel very anxious because it's like 
it feels like my big chance, you know, yeah. something I've wanted to do my whole life, which, yeah. you know, like we often talk about, we, we talk so much about movies here and on mm. Weepy is our other podcast. Mm. So to be making one is just amazing and it, exciting. It is so amazing and all the more reason for us to just put podcasting on hiatus for a little bit, which just is what for we're a doing. Bit. Just for a just, bit. Just for a bit. To give you the space to do that, to give me the space to sort of to deal with what I'm trying to. Biz- yeah, all of your pod business. Everybody wants Kim. You have no idea. It is. It's true, isn't it? When there's it's a nice podcast to be, to be made, go to Kim. It's so true. But you know what? When we uh, hopefully Potato Race will be a nice big hit, and then I'll be able to do other things and have loads of money, and we can just I can just say no. That's two days a week for for um, more exploration of the cultural importance of a country practice. Man, so much more to say. So much more to yeah, say. Yeah, so but much anyway. more to say. Mm. Well, let's before we wind up. To Today, shall we look at the fashions of the field? Did you have any fashions of the field? Anything that Benice wore, I think, just took me right back. Kimmy, you are such a mother's... hippie. No, but also just like she's Less. she's just like a total nineties mom as well. Like not in a in a hippie way, I guess. In a I hippie up, way, like I grew my up in a bit of a country. Cool. Well, yeah, no, my mom wasn't like hippie, but she also wasn't. Um, I don't know, pearls and mother of the bride dresses either. Right. She was, she was my mother was much more that than pearls and my Chanel. My mum was more, yeah, was more, not Chanel, <laughs> like whatever Miller's the fashion club version yes. of, of Chanel is. <laughs> Miller's. <laughs> oh, my mum's very Miller's too. A Miller's we the have, fashion club. Oh, my God. <laughs> she, might, she might hate me for this, but by the time. Mm. So there's four of us, right? We grew up in a... Uh, Anywhere between five and six bedroom house, depending on how yep. how many people were living there at the time and what rooms you wanted to call a bedroom. And so there were <laughs> plenty of um, wardrobes. Mum had yeah. very enviable cupboard space. And by the time she and dad sold that house, I'm pretty sure, and I might be verbaling her, that most of those cupboards were full of clothes from Miller's. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, mum. <laughs> I understand it. My mother's the same. Like, and what the thing that really annoys me is my mum, and bless you, mum. Like, I love that your generosity with this, but she's always saying, You want to go to Miller's, the fashion club, to get some clothes? Or whenever I say, I like your dress, mum, and she'll say, That's Miller's, the fashion club. Have a guess how much I paid for it. <laughs> yeah, it's $5. always, this is the other thing, it's always $7 yeah. reduced from 62 or something yes. like that. And I just think, like, mum, bless you, but you're a 70 year old woman. And I'm a 42-year-old woman and do the maths in my entire life. Like a, a 30-year-old doesn't want to dress like a 58-year-old, you know? Look, I may have some pieces that have been handed down from mum. <laughs> from Miller's The Fashion Club. <laughs> so great. If well, it's baggy, I'll take it. <laughs> my fashions of the field was um, Shirley's last outfit. I loved it. She had on, um, I think it was this, either a skirt or pants, but she had this bright green, like lots of great colours in this episode, lots of great teals. I love teals. Trish had a great teal top on as well. Uh, Trish Blair. Oh, no, she was Trish Lennox or something like that. She had a really great teal blouse on, but Shirley's final See You Later outfit mm. was um, a bright green sort of silk shirt a big fob gold thing, a uh, chain, and a sort of a David Jones tiny hound's tooth blazer. And it was just wonderful. And I have that exact outfit in my repertoire right now. So I love it. Yay, Shirley. 
Can I just add a little extra shout out to um, Frank's Terry Telling Hat, which has yellow and white striped yeah. Terry Telling Hat, which has made many an appearance in this yes. series. And I suspect it's just been his hat throughout, which is so realistic of a bloke like yes. Frank. You know, it really is. Of course, he's got had the same hat for eleven his years. He probably hat. had it for twenty years beforehand. Mm. Bless him out in his garden. Isn't their garden stunning? That's my fashions oh, in the field. They're gardening. Yeah. Their garden. Well. Kim, let's um, wrap this up so that you can go and edit it and then get back to your podcasting empire. Yes. And um, and our very deep thanks, as usual, to Shez Robbie for her fantastic social media, to Nate Edmondson, who, how interesting is this, do a Google search on Nate Edmondson at the moment, our mm-hmm. composer. He is in New York doing like a Broadway show. He's moved oh. to New York to do Broadway. He's amazing. amazing. And he did our... God, you, you move in some very cool circles. Humble, well. I do. I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm, I have, I'm very lucky. And also, Mike Pajanic, who so generously said that we could use this theme. Like, haven't we just had a blessed time? Mm. A blessed time, Blester. A blessed um, time, indeed. And we'll be back in a fortnight with our last episode for the moment, which is uh, going to be looking. Oh my gosh, is that Patrick? No, it's no, this Olive. Is Olive. I've just. Was, sorry. Hang on. Hi, Ooh, Olive. It's frozen. Do you want to say you're on the radio? Do you want to talk on the radio? (laughs) Hi, hi, Olive. You've lost your teeth. What do your front teeth look like? (laughs) They look fantastic. They're very good. They're they're very cute. Um, How fun. Isn't it fun when your teeth are all falling out and you're just like la, 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 la. I'll send you some photos. She looked like Cletus the slack-jawed yokel for like (laughs) quite a few days it was just like they were they were hanging on by a thread and they were pointing in two different directions (laughs) i love it i can't wait to see well thank you so much and we will be back in a fortnight we're going to be watching the finale of season 13 uh which is the one with the bushfires and where terence and the new matron get married uh which are beautiful episodes penny cook comes back it is just the works also i just wanted to have a just say hello to whoever it was who um, came up to Tommy Murphy at a conference or something, Tommy Murphy, the playwright who has appeared on our show before, as a fan of a country podcast Mm. and wanted to talk to him about a country podcast and a country practice. That will always be my favourite episode of a country podcast. I just loved that conversation so much. Yeah, it was wonderful. Thanks, Kim. Have a great night. Thanks, Mel. Bye. Bye. Okay, so, Kim, we're going to talk about some corrections to a bit of the information. <laughs> <laughs> you and- did we get some stuff wrong, did we, Shez? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to criticise, um, even though it's fun. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, there, there are a few things that I think the diehard fans really will... Hate us for? Eat you for. Yeah, they'll come after you. You will be cancelled. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so the first one is, of course, that the vet's name is Anna, not Anne. Oh, did I say Anne, did I? You said Anne, yeah, <laughs> Anne, which is understandable. Anne Luby is the actress, so you know, you know, you know. Um, and referring to the, uh, Tom as the copper, you're going to get some flack. No? Yeah, because oh, okay, why? Anna and Tom are the one of the power couples of the latest seasons. They have a oh, massive right. fan so, base. So are they like the... Are they the Molly and Brendan or the Simon uh, and Vicky? I don't. I I think they're the Anna and Tom. Really, <laughs> they're the, they're their own entity. They are. They bring they bring their own joy and really they're fantastic. So they really 
Oh, you guys I'm need so to put sorry. some respect in your tone when you're talking about Anna and Tom. Um, okay, okay, so Billy also is Anna's nephew. You were, you guys were right about that. Yeah. Oh, so well, just in okay, case this, for the next season, next episode, you're going to have to know this, that she's Anna is Billy's <laughs> guardian because his parents died in a car crash yes. in America. So that's why he's living with her. Right. Um, what okay. else do we talk about? Mel was asking about wh- what happened to Maggie. Where did Maggie go? Of course, yeah, Maggie, what happened to Maggie left sign? with her to-be husband. Um, so they went off travelling. I'm pretty sure. Who? See, now I'm terrible because I haven't researched this this morning. <laughs> I think they, they went travelling um, somewhere. Don't all uh, Australian drama series characters just go to Queensland when That's they're right, done? That's right, Queensland. They I went to Queensland. They went, <laughs> they went further than Queensland, I think, because um, the gambling in Queensland isn't. Not I don't enough. know. Maybe it is great. I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> they went further. Um, okay. So the funeral, Mel was talking about the funeral in the for next Shirley. episode. Mm-hmm. For Shirley. Exactly. Now, I went back and watched that this morning because I'm, I was pretty sure it was a memorial, mm-hmm. not the actual funeral, which would explain the fact that Vicky and Simon and Joe and Michael and all of our favourite people are missing. Right. Um, yeah, so it was a kind of a memorial and to change the uh, name of the Muldoon wing to the Shirley Gilroy wing. Ah, uh, okay, um, so it was like a special ceremony. A to... special ceremony. Gotcha. However, having watched it this morning, um, Terence actually says that it's been two weeks since Shirley's death and that seemed to me to be an awfully quick turnaround for disaster victim identification <laughs> and getting the body from Brisbane back to Wandon Valley and buried. So... I don't yeah. know. I'm confused about that. Yeah, you make I a good point. That would take longer. But yeah, I understood it to be the memorial, and that's why Vicky and Simon weren't there for her. You know, Vicky's own mother's funeral. That, yeah. So, so it wasn't that she was making E Street. Oh, well, I think that is a contributing factor. Right. Honestly, right. I think we have to say that that could be, yeah, definitely something. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, I also found the Ancali group that um, you were talking about, the AIDS support group, um, and it's spelled A-N-K-A-L-I. Does it still exist? It does. They have a Facebook group, um, and I found some other little things on the internet, so I might pop that on the uh, podcast Facebook page for anyone who is interested um, and wants to follow in Bernice's footsteps. Now, one thing I thought, you guys, this isn't a, a correction, but I felt that you didn't mention Esme's transformation in that episode. Or, mm. you know, everybody thinks Esme Watson, she's a busybody. She's an old bat who, you know, goes around and, and gets in everyone's business. People don't think that by season 12, do they? No, well, I don't know. I think the general population who aren't mega fans of right. a country practice, if you say Esme Watson, they think busybody. Oh, yeah, busybody. Whereas yeah. by this stage of the game, Esme has had a major transformation and in this particular episode we see it when she's talking, she comes out of church with Max's sister Mm. and they're talking to another lady from the church about a meeting that was going to be held at the sister's house and the lady says to her, oh, look, we've changed we've changed the meeting to my place so you don't have to worry about it and, and all of that business. And Esme, um, the sister obviously says, well, stuff you, I've already made all the preparations and 
essentially implies that the reason you don't want to come to my house is because my brother has AIDS. Yeah. And Esme actually gets up the lady and says, you know, that's not that's very unchristian of you and, and whatever. And, and we wouldn't have seen that in the early seasons. You are so right. And actually that thought crossed my mind while I was watching it and... I had just totally forgotten about that. You were so right. Yeah. <laughs> she was amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And we see that uh, in a couple of episodes, the end of season 11, the start of season 12 with um, Lizzie, the character Lizzie who comes and lives with Terence and Esme as hmm. sort of a foster situation. Right. Um, and that's where, apart from Sophie's um She was wonderful with Sophie yeah, as well. that's right. Yeah. And, and, yeah, Esme kind of undergoes a bit more of a transformation after Lizzie arrives. Esme Watson has probably had more experience with HIV and AIDS than possibly yeah, that, <laughs> most exactly people right. living in small that's country right. towns She's in an 19, 90s Australia. An absolute expert, yes. <laughs> she should be on the support group. I don't know she what should. Denise is doing. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so that was all I came up with except, except I think we should start a campaign and treasure hunt to find the lost blister mugs. Um, yes. <laughs> I think that's really, uh, I, I don't know what we're doing if we're not doing that. I know. Yeah. Well, first of all, we've got to work out what the name of the place is that Chris dropped them off at. So in Canberra, we called it the Green Shed. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's like the charity shop with the dump. Oh, like the tip shop. Yeah, the tip shop. Oh, okay. Uh, wow. So, well, they could very well still be there. They might, I mean, <laughs> Even maybe. though it was years ago, they could well, still no, be there. Well, no, it was only just... It was one year ago. It was after Oh, well, there you go. I'm going to the tip shop. I'm going to the G-Bung tip shop and I will find out. I'm finding those mugs. Look for um, a picture of a 1980s family. (laughs) The the man, what I didn't really clarify, when I said that mum and dad are holding a golf club, they're holding the same golf club. They're both (laughs) holding the same golf club. No, it's (laughs) not one each. It's like the Excalibur of golf clubs. It's like, this is, this is what binds us together, this golf club. Wonderful. Well, I am putting out the call to anyone in Brisbane who listens uh, to this podcast to get down to the G-Bung t- tip shop and surrounds yeah. and let's find those lost blister marks. <laughs> Shez, I love your work. And I've got to say, this whole episode is a lesson in the role of a producer because no one actually really produced this until you listened to it and then you did all the work of the producer here yeah, right now I'm, at the end. I'm the nerdy, annoying friend that comes in and says, well, actually, you've got yes. that bit wrong and you need to... Yeah. Everyone needs that friend. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Oh, dear. No, no worries. I'm very pleased to do it. And, and will you join us... Uh, in the next episode, we're going to talk about the uh, season 13 finale. Will you join us for the whole episode, Shez? Uh, well, look, I was going to be washing my hair that day, but um, <laughs> I think I can get that done in 15 minutes. So, yeah, okay. I'll definitely um, I'll, I'll join up. All right. Talk to you then. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Kim. Bye. Bye. 